Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 27th of June, 2022, the 28th of Sivan, 5782, coming to you from beautiful Gush Etzion, Israel. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Don't forget, you can always get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Feel free to say hello. Let me know what you think of the show. Love it, hate it, any comments. Happy to read your emails on the air. We'll get started here with election news in the state of Israel. It is very likely that Israel will be heading to its fifth election this October or November. Fifth election in the last, I think, three years or so. It looks like the government will, in fact, fall in the next several days here. It's not 100% official. Uh, as Israel National News reports today, the Israeli government's plan to dissolve the Knesset on Monday and call new elections faces a key test as legislation ending the 24th Knesset faces review in committee. Now, this is all very complicated. There are two options here, really, just to summarize. Uh, number one, the government could fall. We could have those elections. Or number two, perhaps another member of Knesset will be able to rally the troops and form a new government under the current Knesset. So that is still possible. That is still not out of the cards. But just from what I read, it's looking less and less likely that that's going to happen. And Israel will, in fact, go to elections. It remains to be seen here. Last week, the Knesset voted 110 to 0 to back 11 various bills calling for the dissolution, dissolution rather of the Knesset, which would send Israel to its fifth general election in three years. The vote in the Knesset sent the bills to the House Committee for review. Once the bills receive committee approval, they will be brought before the Knesset plenum for their last two votes. Again, so according to this report, that may in fact happen today. However, and this is the however, coalition members fear that the chairman of the House Committee, Yamina M.K. Nir Orbach, who bolted the government early this month to support the opposition, may intentionally delay the approval process, giving the Likud party an opportunity to form a new government in the current Knesset. So that is still a possibility. Prime Minister Netanyahu may, in fact, maybe, may in fact be able to put together uh, a coalition in the current Knesset. The Likud has sought support from the current coalition members, including Yamina. How ironic would that be if Naftali Bennett remains in politics and joins a Netanyahu government, the New Hope Party in blue and white, in an effort to topple the current government and form a new one, thus preventing alternate Prime Minister Yair Lapid from becoming Prime Minister during election season. The government hopes to dissolve the Knesset before midnight between Thursday and Friday when the Judea and Samaria law is set to expire. If the Knesset is dissolved prior to the law's expiration, it will automatically be extended by six months, giving the next government the opportunity to, to pass the five-year extension without the law terminating. I hope I haven't lost you out there. Again, it is complicated here. Uh, we're talking about this a five-year extension, which has been essentially an automatic vote in the Knesset uh, every five years since, I believe, 1967 or so. 
and that was the key piece of legislation that the current government could not get passed, and hence Naftali Bennett decided that he would he would call for the dissolution of the current Knesset. Should the government fail to dissolve the Knesset by Thursday night, however, Israeli law currently applied to Area C of Judea and Samaria via the Defense Ministry, civil administration will no longer be in force in Jewish communities in the area. And that has a lot of people nervous. What would happen if Israel technically does not have the ability to rule over the Jewish population in Judea and Samaria? Some people see that as a sky is falling scenario. Others, though, say that this is just scare tactics from the current government. And again, it's very complicated in terms of the the legalities behind the situation. But from what I've learned, again, this is not my area of expertise at all. From what I've learned, the sky will not fall if this bill does not become approved. And that essentially is what the Likud and others in the opposition who are in favor of Jewish life in Judea and Samaria are saying things could get complicated but this is not a sky-is-falling scenario and that the current government was using this law as a scare tactic against the opposition, warning, as this report indicates, of total chaos in Judea and Samaria should the law not be extended, leaving Israeli residents in the lurch. Again, not 100% certain that there would be complete Total chaos, as indicated by the current coalition, by the, by Naftali Bennett's government. From those who I have, I have heard from, experts in the field, saying that it is not the worst thing in the world if this doesn't pass. So again, this is how it started. This whole Judea and Samaria, the current uh, crisis, if you will, with the coalition. This whole Judea and Samaria law. Um, but bottom line here. Two options. Somebody is able to form a government in the current Knesset or we're headed to elections. That's really the two options if you want to summarize all of this confusion. Someone forms a government in the current Knesset or we go to elections either October 5th. I read today it may be November the 1st. So by the time we speak again next Monday, we should have a better picture of what exactly is going on. Switching gears here, JNS reported today that Israel's foreign minister lashed out at the European Union uh, foreign policy chief on Sunday following the latter's visit to Tehran the day before. Politico reported on Sunday, uh, Josep Borrell, the high representative of the Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy uh, there in the European Union, had reached out to Foreign Minister Yair Lapid before heading to Iran on Saturday to try to restart the stalled nuclear talks between Tehran and Western powers, according to the report. The EU's top diplomat had wanted to consult with Lapid on a number of points ahead of the meetings with the Iranians, according to this report. However, Lapid reiterated in his reply that it was the visit itself that was problematic especially given Iran's recent attempts to kill Israeli civilians in Turkey. I just read today Israel is considering lowering the terror threat alert in Turkey. That remains to be seen. However, it was in Istanbul in in particular. It was on the highest level. The Israeli foreign minister previously told Borrell that visiting Iran now was a strategic mistake 
sending the wrong message, according to the report. Uh, talking about great potential in the Iranian context, while Iran is trying to murder Israeli citizens throughout the world, and especially in Turkey, indicates a worrying lack of care for the lives of Israeli citizens, said Foreign Minister Lapid, or perhaps interim Prime Minister Lapid. In Brussels, however, Lapid's criticism of the visit was brushed off as part of an effort to sabotage the nuclear talks, according to Politico. So here's what I have to say on this. Does Europe really care or not if Israel's wiped off the map? I think that's the main question here. That's the real issue. I'm sure they'll miss us. They'll miss us in some ways, but you know, to the Europeans, this way, you know, if Israel's wiped off the map, you don't have to worry about labeling goods from Judea and Samaria or condemning Israel at the UN. Think how easy your life would be if Israel, of course, God forbid, was wiped off the map. Maybe it's maybe it's just easier for the EU if Israel is gone. And I know I'm nor ignoring all of our trade and tourism and everything else, but it seems they don't care about terror against us. And of course, they are obsessed with building illegally for Arabs, the European Union. That's what they do, proudly putting the European Union flag on the buildings there throughout Area C for the Arabs only trying to help them uh, take over Area C in Judea and Samaria. So again, maybe they don't care if Iran goes nuclear. And don't try to sell me on the bad Iranian nuclear deal, which actually paves Iran's path towards weapons, even if they stick to the deal. Okay, so don't sell me on that, and don't sell me on the European Union just wanting Iran to get back to the deal. It's a bad deal. It always has been. And we've been talking about this now for what has it been six seven years how bad that deal really is but um you know you have to give credit to foreign minister lapid perhaps interim prime minister lapid for sticking to his guns and criticizing the european union for meeting with tehran as tehran threatens to murder israelis at the same time Wynet says that the wall street journal yesterday reported that the U.S. held a secret meeting last March in Egypt in Sharm al-Sheikh with IDF senior officers and Saudi, Qatar, and other air military chiefs on the Iranian threat. They mentioned here that IDF chief of staff Kohavi was there, his Saudi Arabian counterpart, military officials from Qatar, Jordan, Egypt, UAE, Bahrain, were have said to attended the first-of-its-kind meeting the talks, which were described as the first steps towards regional cooperation, came following secret meetings of lower-level officials discussing uh, aerial threats posed by Iran and how to defend against them. Again, this is a Ynet article uh, citing a Wall Street Journal report yesterday that this secret meeting was held. Um, it seems that they have very specific details here as to who was at this meeting. And uh, again, on Iran, at the end of the day, we will see. We will see if Israel has to go at it alone. We will see who will side with Israel when push comes to shove. This Telegram news uh, site that I follow, it's called Abu Ali Express in English. This is a group on Telegram. According to a report today, 3,500 additional work permits will be issued for Gazans work in Israel proper. Uh, Ayad Nasser, chairman of the Gaza Civil Committee, reported that Israel will soon issue an additional 3,000-5,000 work permits for Gazan workers. Now, 
We talked about this last week. What did I say last week? It's a pattern here. Terrorists fire rockets, which happened last Friday night or the Friday night before last. Terrorists fire rockets. Israel decides for a few days, we're not going to issue any new permits for Gaza residents to work in Israel proper. And after a few days of quiet, Israel gives in. It's called rinse, wash, and repeat. I believe that's how the expression goes. Where is the deterrence? That is my question. Where is real action against the terrorists? I know our government, which most likely will be gone by the end of this week, claims that um, they get the credit for the quiet, relative quiet in the South over the last year or so. But is that quiet because of deterrence? Did this government create a deterrence to cause quiet in the South? Or is the cause uh, of the quiet perhaps part of the current strategy of Hamas and the other terror groups for one way or another? And I say the latter. I don't see serious deterrence, my opinion. Again, I'm not saying I saw serious deterrence with the last government either. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a vote of confidence for the other government the past government, in terms of how they handled the situation in the South, with this whole approving permits thing, withholding them, and then giving them permits, or increasing the fishing zones, and then decreasing if they're rockets, and then increasing again a few days later, this to me seems like a sham, which does not create true deterrence. Because they know. They know, okay, we'll fire a rocket, we'll get away with it. Israel will... Uh, blow up an empty building of Hamas or whatnot. They know the drill. And then just a few days later, uh, Israel goes back and issues more permits. And and they know the drill. They know it's going to happen. So what do they have to lose by firing some rockets and trying to murder Israelis? No deterrence, in my opinion. JNS reported yesterday that the Hezbollah terror organization, let's turn to the north now, has recently constructed 15 outposts on the Lebanon-Israel border. Israeli media reported on Friday most of the outposts are along the western section of the border, with each such site containing an outlook position or tower, two to three housing units, and storage facilities, according to Channel 12. We see a clear statement of intent by Hezbollah. The report quoted a senior IDF northern commander as saying, The problem is that as soon as Hezbollah builds a post like this, the Lebanese army and UNIFIL, the UN interim force in Lebanon, no longer arrive in the area where the post has been built. The source added, why? Because Hezbollah has the power there. Okay. Hezbollah operatives wander around in the vicinity, some armed with handguns and rifles, Constituting a, constituting a significant violation of UN Resolution 1701, which was passed at the end of the Second Lebanon War in 2006 and is aimed at preventing the presence of any armed organization except the Lebanese army in the border area, the report said. So what a joke. The UN in Lebanon, 1701. How are they upholding that? If this, US, if this, sorry, if this UN force doesn't do anything, what is their purpose? Why do they exist? It's only a matter of time until Hezbollah starts up again. We know this. And as usual, Israel will need to defend itself by itself. And we can't count on this joke of UN force, again, whose purpose was to stop the aggression by Hezbollah, keep them away from the border with Israel. So the UNIFIL, absolutely meaningless. I don't know what they're doing up there. Are they partying in Lebanon? 
I mean, I've seen these UN people partying in Tel Aviv. I don't know why we have so many UN people in Israel right now. I didn't realize we were at a war or whatnot, but they're doing absolutely nothing there. Hezbollah comes in, and UNIFIL does not stand up to Hezbollah as per the uh, United Nations Resolution 1701. So they're meaningless up there, and Hezbollah does whatever they want, whenever they want, and UNIFIL sits, just sits by idly. And again, I don't know what they're doing there. I wonder what they do with their time. Some positive news here is Israel Hayom. Israel Hayom reports that Israeli Jodoka, am I pronouncing that correctly? Somebody who participates in judo. Judoka? If you know how this is pronounced, let me know. Yuli Mishner, Israeli Yuli Mishner won the silver medal at the 2022 Cadet European Championships in Croatia over the weekend. He snagged the medal in the over 70 kilogram category. From what I understand, he lost in the gold medal round, but then picked up the silver medal, which is great. So congratulations to Yuli Mishner in the sport of judo. I think it's judoka. And I think we've, ta we've talked about this before. I don't know if I've got the pronunciation correctly. Judoka. I think that's how you say someone who participates in the sport of judo. Congratulations on the silver medal. And finally, finishing up with some more good news, Nefesh Benefesh. I got this from a press release from Nefesh Benefesh in partnership with the Israeli Ministry of Aliyah and Integration, the Jewish Agency for Israel, Karen Kayemetli Israel, and JNF USA is gearing up for a major wave of Aliyah with over 2,000 individuals from 20 U.S. states and Canadian provinces expected to arrive in Israel during the summer months alone. The organization's flagship charter Aliyah flight will resume after a multi-year hiatus due to the COVID-19 restrictions and plans are underway to welcome and assist thousands of new Olim, immigrants to Israel, who will arrive via 10 group Aliyah flights as well as individual arrivals. The first group Aliyah flight of the summer landed last week with 40 new Olim on board. The Olim arrived from seven states across the U.S. and ranged in ages from one to 88 years old. Come home to Israel, folks. Nefesh Benefesh, they make it much simpler than it used to be, helping you with the paperwork and everything you need to get done. Make Aliyah today. Uh, that's my advice to you in this crazy world of ours, even though things here, you know, are uh, are always intense, for better or for worse. I, I say make Aliyah. I say your future is here. Again, a lot of people don't like to hear that, but, you know, try to bring you the truth. A lot of people get offended by that, but... You know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to hold back. You know, get on one of these Nevis Benefish flights. If it's not this summer, then plan for their winter flights. Get on the plane, get on the Elal, and come home to Israel as quickly as you can. That's my advice, and we're going to end on that note again. My name is Josh Haston. This is another edition of, that's why this is called Israel Uncensored, folks. I'm not holding back. I'm telling you to come home. Uh, today is June the 27th, 2022, the 28th of Sivan, 5782. We're almost headed to the Hebrew month of Tammuz, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, Wednesday and Thursday. And then we have the uh, fast Shvasar Tammuz, the three weeks, the nine days, Tisha B'Av. And then we're headed towards, full steam ahead, towards the Jewish high holidays. It feels like Passover was just like yesterday. It's unbelievable how we're almost headed towards the Jewish high holidays. Big shout out to Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein, for everything she does behind the scenes. Get in touch with me, Josh, at thelandofisrael.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find me on all of those platforms. 
Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, have a great week, everybody. Be safe. Shalom, shalom from Gush Etzion in the hills of beautiful Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Prayer, faith, and healing. Find out about it from a Judean perspective. We want this life to be good. It's so good. Cherish every day. Thank you, God, for every day. The Land of Israel Fellowship invites you to learn Torah from Judea, a new cycle, a new world, with Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz. And if you don't see life as one incredible gift, you won't see God. But if you can see the gift, then you'll be blessed to see the giver. To sign up, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship.